Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Noise, pollution, mayhem, money, pleasure, power, art, love and hate. Such is the thrumming and pulsating heart of your typical city. We shelter in the shadows of its skyscrapers, lurk in its forgotten coffee-infused alleyways, and scurry like mice through the neon-lit smorgasbord of its shops and stores. But in a city... When do we actually stop? I mean, really stop. Stop for long enough to listen to the half-buried screams inside us longing for truth, real emotion, and silence. Well, if you're anything like me, it's not very often. But thankfully, we have a poem for you today that at least has the potential to stop you in your tracks if you let it. May I present you with An Absolutely Ordinary Rainbow. By Les Murray. Absolutely Ordinary Rainbow by Les Murray. The word goes round Reppens. The murmur goes round Lorenzini's. At Tattersall's, men look up from sheets of numbers. The stock exchange scribblers forget the chalk in their hands and men with bread in their pockets leave the Greek club. There's a fellow crying in Martin Place. They can't stop him. The traffic in George Street is banked up for half a mile and drained of motion. The crowds are edgy with talk and more crowds come hurrying. Many run in the back streets, which minutes ago were busy main streets pointing. There's a fellow weeping down there. No one can stop him. The man we surround, the man no one approaches, simply weeps and does not cover it. Weeps not like a child, not like the wind, like a man and does not declaim it, nor beat his breast, nor even sob very loudly. Yet the dignity of his weeping holds us back from his space. The hollow he makes about him in the midday light in his pentagram of sorrow. And uniforms back in the crowd who tried to seize him stare out at him and feel with amazement their minds longing for tears as children for a rainbow. Some will say in years to come a halo or force stood around him. There's no such thing. Some will say they were shocked and would have stopped him but they will not have been there. The fiercest manhood, the toughest reserve, the slickest wit amongst us trembles with silence and burns with unexpected judgments of peace. Some in the concourse scream who thought themselves happy. Only the smallest children and such as look out of paradise come near him and sit at his feet 
with dogs and dusty pigeons. Ridiculous, says a man near me, and stops his mouth with his hands as if he uttered vomit. Then I see a woman, shining, stretch her hand and shake as she receives the gift of weeping. As many as follow her also receive it, and many weep for sheer acceptance, and more refuse to weep for fear of all acceptance. But the weeping man, like the earth, requires nothing. The man who weeps ignores us, and cries out of his writhing face and ordinary body, not words, but grief. Not messages, but sorrow. Hard as the earth, sheer, present as the sea, and when he stops, he simply walks between us, mopping his face with the dignity of one man who has wept and now has finished weeping. Evading believers, he hurries off down Pitt Street. So I want to begin this podcast by first talking about the setting and context of the poem. An absolutely ordinary rainbow is taken from Les Murray's first collection, The Weatherboard Cathedral, and is probably his best-known poem. While the bulk of Murray's poems are set in rural environments, rather than built-up urban areas, this particular poem is acutely modern in its themes and orientation and seems to argue that something fundamental to humanity is being lost in the manic activity of city life. Perhaps the ability to fully express emotion without shame or ridicule. The poem itself is set firmly in mid-20th century Sydney, a large city in Australia, and draws on Murray's own autobiographical experience as a Sydney inhabitant, where he both studied and made a living for a period of time. An absolutely ordinary rainbow gives shape to the hurly-burly of modern life in a major Australian city, which could be any other city around the world for that matter, as the themes of the poem explored are universal ones. Most of the time, a major city like Sydney is a hub of economic activity, It's also a place of consumerism, gossip, greed and manoeuvring, in which word of an unusual or scandalous event can travel fast. And this is just how the poem opens, with word and murmur blowing around Sydney like a stiff breeze. An important aspect of the poem is therefore the setting, the ability of a man to grind a city around him to a halt is a clearly remarkable and unusual event, and the reader is left to ponder what it is in this man's public expression of emotion that can transform the atmosphere of an entire city. The recounting of the event, mostly in first person, present tense, to create a sense of intimacy and vitality, makes the poem feel almost like a parable that's come out of the New Testament. In other words, the lyrical, prose-like structure of the poem echoes the biblical accounts of a Jesus-like figure coming to a new town and leaving it utterly transformed. Here, it is an interesting note that the Jesus 
of the Bible is depicted as weeping many times in the Bible. And of particular interest here is that Jesus cries over the state of his land's major metropolis, Jerusalem, which he feels has gone too far down a certain path to achieve its own salvation. Of course, the crying man in this poem has a less obvious purpose. He seems to bring an important message, yes, but that message is either intentionally out of reach or simply impossible to understand by much of the culture around him. Furthermore, any hint of the man being holy, a prophet, or possessing a halo are quickly rejected by the poem. The weeping man here, Murray is suggesting, is not to be elevated and made out to be different. Rather, he remains a fully human and down-to-earth individual, albeit one with a more fully rounded sense of his own emotional depth. It goes without saying that the alienating effect of living in a big city is a common subject in 20th century poetry and found in other poems such as The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot or W.B. Yeats' The Second Coming. So in its subject matter, an absolutely ordinary rainbow is following in a rich thematic tradition. Les Murray has published vast amounts of poetry and other literary works, including plays, verse novels, and collections of poetry. Welcome back. So I want to talk here about what I consider to be some of the leading themes within this poem. The first theme I want to suggest argues that real emotion is an important corrective to the alienating effects of modernity. An absolutely ordinary rainbow suggests that the hurly-burly of modern life has caused a breakdown of the inner emotional landscapes of people. In distancing themselves from one another, the poem explores how people have a tendency to keep their true feelings buried within as they go about their hectic lives. And this is essentially why the image of the man who weeps with sorrow seems so stunning and scandalous. The fact that so many observers are genuinely moved by the man's unashamed exhibition of emotion suggests that they, too, like to be able to be more freely expressive in themselves. The poem thus suggests a critique about the widespread suppression of emotion in society, arguing that the ability to feel, to express those emotions, is central to being a healthy human being. An absolutely ordinary rainbow begins with the hustle and bustle of urban activity, a gambling store, a restaurant, Australian stock exchange, a social club, and of course the throng of people and momentum. However, even though people in Sydney's CBD are packed closely side by side, there is little indication of emotional exchange or relationship between the people themselves. The effect is that the expression of real feelings has been diminished by the toxic pace of modern life and by social expectations of competition and industry. When the gossip and news breaks that there is a fellow crying in Martin Place, 
It's therefore an extraordinary sight that draws the city's inhabitants to it like bees to honey. This fervid display of real and tender emotion brings the city to a standstill. The man's tears seem to break with social conventions that demand that people maintain a safe social distance from each other and a formality of behaviour. In public, people generally tend to keep to themselves and keep a lid on their feelings. The man's behaviour is disorientating as well because the man's crying doesn't serve any obvious economic function in a society built on the accumulation of wealth, industry and consumption. He's stopping in the middle of everyone at a well-known place in Sydney to do something that has no socially meaningful purpose beyond letting himself feel something. What a stunningly strange, poignant and moving image. It is imperative to note here that in seeing a man crying in the street, the onlookers are challenged to reconsider their own attitudes to emotion. Yes, there are fixed mindsets and mockery from the lips of some gathered there, but by and large a miracle of transformation has temporarily descended on the crowd. Some find themselves unusually shaken out of their hardened apathy and find themselves wishing they too could feel so intensely. Some want to follow the man as if he was a religious leader, a prophet of a better way of life. Even the police, initially tasked with trying to remove the man, find themselves feeling with amazement, their minds longing for tears as children for a rainbow. This connection to childhood suggests that the crying man points to the fundamental importance that emotion plays in helping people be more fully human, implying that the ability to feel is unlearned through growing up in modern society. Moreover, society conditions people to focus on their ego, their pleasure, their consumption and their wealth, neglecting their inner emotional lives and ability to empathise with one another in the process. The man's crying is also like a rainbow in that it is an ordinary, natural occurrence that nevertheless inspires wonder and awe. The rainbow doesn't have any economic purpose, but it moves people emotionally. Like a rainbow, the man appears briefly, attracts attention, and is gone. In doing so, he encourages people to reach for that elusive pot of emotional gold lying just out of reach over the horizon. The second theme I want to discuss in the poem deals with problems of male identity. An absolutely ordinary rainbow questions stereotypical ideas about what it means to be a man in the 20th and 21st century, particularly when it comes to the ability to convey and express real emotions such as pain, sorrow, remorse, frustration and grief. 
The crying man in the poem reverses the common stereotype of manhood by portraying his unashamed display of emotion as a kind of dignity and strength rather than as a weakness. The poem repeatedly called attention to the gender of the man crying as well as those watching him, many of whom are also men. Note how the words men, fellow and man pop up through the poem, calling on the reader to scrutinise what the man's crying means, specifically in terms of his gender. It is also important to notice how the poem reinforces the stereotypical and cliched image of manhood in the first place by drawing attention to many traditionally male-dominated industries located in the city of Sydney. The city is a hyper-male precinct. Notice the stock exchange mentioned in the first stanza, where men compete with one another to make the most money through investments. Notice the Greek club, which is a kind of social club where men talk business and sports in a kind of blokey, backslapping way. And finally, notice the uniform police force's attempts and failure to restrain the crying man. Of course, the police force would have been mainly made up of men at that time when the poem was written. Combined, all these images subtly reflect masculinity as being tied up with notions of competition, money, power and physicality. The crying man's arrival in Martin Place thus implicitly becomes a threat to this idea of manliness, offering an alternative vision of male strength through his ability to express his emotion publicly. To that end, the poem makes it clear that the man's crying isn't unnatural, out of place or somehow wrong. He is described as weeping not like a child, not like the wind, but like a man. In other words, his state of being is natural. He cries like a man, according to the poem, because there is nothing inherently unmanly about crying. The poem thus turns a common expression about manliness on its head, given that the phrase, like a man, usually means to respond to something, physical pain or bad news for example, with a lack of emotion. In turn, the man's willingness to cry comes to reflect a sense of personal integrity. He has the strength to keep crying even though people are trying to stop him. He doesn't need to beat his breast like an angry beast which would play into a more violent vision of male expression, but instead maintains the dignity of weeping. This affects the men in the crowd deeply. Those with the fiercest manhood and the toughest reserve are soon trembling with silence, surprised to feel they're longing for another way to express their true identities. Even the police find themselves overcome with a longing for tears their efforts at restraining the man, failing to stop his emotional outburst. And it is interesting to notice here that the police are the arbiters of social control in society and are there to reinforce and enforce the rules. So it is appropriate that their longing is expressed so powerfully. Not all the males observing the commotion encounter a sense of inner longing. One man calls out the crying as being ridiculous echoing a traditional view of masculinity, only to discover that his words are like vomit. All in all, the crying man represents a challenge to the men of Sydney to examine their own emotional lives. It asks them whether they too have the capacity, the strength, to let themselves cry. And if they don't, what reasons lie behind that inability? 
Accordingly, the poem undermines the idea that masculinity is incompatible with freely expressed emotion. So it's time to finish up this episode and say goodbye. I hope you have enjoyed what I think is a pretty special poem. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast or YouTube channel. Your support is greatly appreciated and helps us to grow our platform. We'll listen one last time to the poem. Until next time, I'll see you later. Absolutely Ordinary Rainbow by Les Murray The word goes round Reppens The murmur goes round Lorenzini's At Tattersall's men look up from sheets of numbers The stock exchange scribblers forget the chalk in their hands And men with bread in their pockets leave the Greek club There's a fellow crying in Martin Place They can't stop him The traffic in George Street is banked up for half a mile and drained of motion. The crowds are edgy with talk and more crowds come hurrying. Many run in the back streets, which minutes ago were busy main streets pointing. There's a fellow weeping down there. No one can stop him. The man we surround, the man no one approaches, simply weeps and does not cover it. Weeps not like a child, not like the wind, like a man and does not declaim it, nor beat his breast, nor even sob very loudly. Yet the dignity of his weeping holds us back from his space, the hollow he makes about him in the midday light, in his pentagram of sorrow, and uniforms back in the crowd who tried to seize him stare out at him and feel with amazement their minds longing for tears as children for a rainbow. Some will say in years to come a halo or force stood around him. There's no such thing. Some will say they were shocked and would have stopped him, but they will not have been there. The fiercest manhood, the toughest reserve, the slickest wit amongst us trembles with silence and burns with unexpected judgments of peace. Some in the concourse scream who thought themselves happy. Only the smallest children and such as look out of paradise come near him and sit at his feet with dogs and dusty pigeons. Ridiculous, says a man near me, and stops his mouth with his hands as if he uttered vomit. Then I see a woman, shining, stretch her hand and shake as she receives the gift of weeping. As many as follow her also receive it, and many weep for sheer acceptance, and more refuse to weep for fear of all acceptance. But the weeping man, 
like the earth requires nothing. The man who weeps ignores us and cries out of his writhen face and ordinary body, not words, but grief. Not messages, but sorrow. Hard as the earth, sheer, present as the sea. And when he stops, he simply walks between us, mopping his face with the dignity of one man who has wept and now has finished weeping. Evading believers, he hurries off down Pitt Street. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.